Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. over and over again. You adjust filters, echoes, acoustic qualities. You combine segments of magnetic tape. By these means and many others, you can create sounds which no one has ever heard before. But it's from 1971. 1971. So Neil been rocking since 1971. Since before. He's like... So, like, think about it this way. If you had your hippies... There are two reasons for people who went hippie. One side was like free love, and then the other side went hippie because that was the equivalent of punk rock at the time. Who were like, we okay. don't, we no, don't fuck I with feel, you. Yeah, I feel like that's a fair. Neil Young one of the was movies. was one of the original. I don't, I don't fuck with you hippies. Oh, okay. So he was purely with it because of the counterculture and shit like that. Yeah. So now, that's what I mean. Like, like Neil Young's catalog is like a lot of folk. But okay. if you think about it being grounded into like, I don't fuck with you hippie movement, which is another reason that Johnny Cash is a big influence on punk rock because he was the, I don't fuck with you country. Would you say Johnny Cash is the original outlaw country singer? I wouldn't say he's the original. I would say he's the most influential. Outlaw country, okay, okay. But Who if you like, you think, of punk rock being like this group of misfits. Right. And that's what the founding of punk rock is. You have like the I don't fuck with you hippie and Neil Young. You have Johnny Cash, the I don't fuck with you rebel outlaw. Right. You have um, David Bowie, who was just this unambiguous, always transient in the like non-representative sphere who always changes his sound. I mean, like, Bowie is majorly influential, but he is one of the, like, top... Like, he's one of the people when you're like, all right, who were the major influences on punk rock? Like, he's one of the top five. It's, like, Neil Young, Johnny Cash, David Bowie. I just can't get over how Neil Young looks like somebody gave Dumbledore too much Jack Daniels and he tried to cut his hair by himself. Um, (laughs) You're a wizard, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, so I read no, no disrespect to the rock god, right? So, like Neil Young is a bass player, right? Or is a guitar? Uh, guitar player, but I guitar? Mean, Neil okay. Young can play everything. Like when okay. you reach that level of a musician, like right. he's pretty pro uh, proficient in most instruments, you would say. All right, like here's an example: the original Foo Fighters record, every instrument was done by Dave Grohl. No disrespect. It's a Dave Grohl solo record, basically. Right? Damn. Damn. I mean, I guess that's what you do after your buddy blows his noodles out, right? Yeah, you make one of the biggest pop records, pop rock records. Not, no, pop is not to be used as a disrespect to the Foo Fighters. Ooh. Like I said, I fall within the Foo Fighters spectrum. No, you didn't, though. Yes, he did. Yes, he did, ladies and gentlemen. You heard that but, right here, first on the flood. Ziggy. Popular rock, Ziggy calls. zeitgeist type of rock music. Nah, say it with your chest. Say it with your chest, dog. You said pop rock. <laughs> like, not the candy. 
But it sounds right, it like you call it Dave Grohl. It could be worse. It could be pop punk. It's not. Ooh, see, now you, I feel like you're really doing him dirty. All time blow. Avril, leave me alone. Okay, that's a good one. But yeah, so <laughs> I, I read this article from the San Francisco Chronicle, um, written by Aiden Viziri. Spotify okay. loses four billion in market value after Neil Young controversy. Damn! Did you say four billion? Four billion. Delete Spotify know. got trending. Um, and it was him requesting to have his music removed from Spotify over misinformation of the vaccine over Joe Rogan. Right. And right. Neil Young knows he doesn't have as much of an impact, like financially, on Spotify as Joe Rogan. But although, he also knows he's Neil fucking Young. I was going to say, although I can't remember where I heard this, I think it was on Internet Today. They said Neil Young sold. So technically this is all like a weird flex anyway, because Neil Young doesn't own his catalog at the moment. And he sold it for reportedly 1.5 billion or something like that. Whatever Joe Rogan's number was, it was like that times a half. Technically, Neil Young is still worth more money than Joe Rogan, but not for Spotify, if that makes sense, or not for himself either, because he doesn't technically own the rights to his music right now. So him- well, I'm gonna bring this back full circle. Okay, I mean- And Neil Young, being true to his punk rock heart, says, right. Spotify, I don't fuck with you. So I see, we talked about him writing the letter and saying that, um, he wanted his music pulled off of there. And from what I remember seeing, some if not all of his catalog has been pulled off of the platform. Um, oh, so he, he even did a uh, a dig out of it, his letter. Yeah, oh no, he totally went, he totally- He was like, he added the music is still available to stream on Amazon, Apple Music, wow. was with better sound quality. Damn, I Quote, totally missed as that. As an unexpected bonus, I sound better everywhere else. Young I mean, said. If you really, if you really want to get jiggy with it, then you got to go over to Tidal anyway, because Tidal is the only platform offering high fidelity sound quality anyway. Everywhere else you're just getting MP3s. And if you were a real audiophile, um, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast because <laughs> I mean, Ziggy does great work. Final. <laughs> Ziggy does great work, but, and, and I mean, we got a new mic, right? I so our audio- work. <laughs> No, you do great work, dog. And the audio quality is rising. No, no, we're not doing that this week. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not sure on the date on these mics. This is kind of like shooting in the dark. So, all right. The, I mean, you already know how my the, the gain the levels I got are rising. And crashing, and crashing through. through. This is Doc. Safely within the vocal range, I am sure. And this is Ziggy. With the flood. With and the you flood. And, and, Doc, and you know what we do. What do we do? They know what we do. And if you don't know what we do, we take, you know, that millennial pop perspective. Put the culture in context. That's right. We put the culture in context. And if you don't know what that means, we take what's happening culturally and we put it in some kind of contextual a uh, diagram that you can understand. a lot of things that happened in the past still have a ripple effect. 
It's right, like right. when you cast a stone in a in a in a great lake and it becomes a giant tsunami. It's and like if the, you what do don't they call know it? what a tsunami is, it's a Japanese word for a tidal for wave. And that is putting flood. some global cultural It's context. a Japanese word for a flood, right? For and, a, uh, so <laughs> so there you go. That's bring our, our, our worldly contextual perspective to teach y'all about things you may or may not have forgot. And exactly. bars? Bars? Bars! Dropping hot bars. Um. And we, you know, we tend to take what's floating around the mainstream because it can all seem like a Mandela effect sometimes. And uh, we we try to make sense of it, you know, because it, there's a lot floating in the mainstream currently. And like Neil Young. And like I said, I literally... Neil Young, going Johnny Knoxville. Right. Oh, we yeah, got this is a great one. It's because it's going right off on uh, Joe Rogan and Neil Young right now. Apparently... Right. Barry Manilow had the tweet out. Verified from Barry Manilow two days ago. I recently heard a rumor about me and Spotify. I don't know where it started, but it didn't start with me or anyone who represents me. What, what was the rumor? I don't know. <laughs> so he didn't even say what the rumor was. He was just like, I recently heard a rumor. Does Barry yeah, Manilow like, have a song called about. Rumors? Yeah. Oh man, like it's legit still going off like right now. Like Tim Dillon's talking about it. I don't want to click on a Tim Dillon tweet. Like uh, Palmer Report, I also don't want to click on a Palmer Report tweet. Oh, so the rumor was that he was joining in on the bandwagon to remove his music from Spotify as well. He says that the rumor didn't start with him. I guess he doesn't have any association or isn't joining the bandwagon as far as all of that is concerned. I feel like, however, this movement is making much more noise than I initially initially expected it to. Also, speaking of uh, things that just happened, did you, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. Yes, I saw that. Um, so that is the first seat for the Super Bowl, correct? Or yeah, the, no. and the and we're, we got four minutes left in the third quarter for the. NFC Championship game where the Niners are leading the Rams by three. Now let's talk about Super Bowl odds. It, it, I don't care who you are. If you put the Bengals Niners Super Bowl bet. 1989 was the last time the Cincinnati Bengals were in the Super Bowl and they faced off against the 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they're one of the teams that Joe Montana beat. Yo, so how weird would that be if both of these teams made... No, the 49ers were in a Super Bowl recently, weren't they? Yeah, they lost to the Chiefs, who were yeah. the team... Yeah, they lost three years ago. And that was another team where they were like, how did the Niners end up here? Yeah. Actually, that's a lot of the time when the Niners make the Super Bowl. They're kind of just like... It's one of those teams that like nobody said. Right. Yeah. No. Like, be they, like the last time the Ravens won. They it'd be like the, the Clippers Niners. making it. To, it'd be like the Clippers making it to the playoffs, right? Like Well, it'd be like the Clippers making the the finals. Or the Utah Jazz, right? Like when the Alright, no, the that's not not this year. The Jazz, like the Jazz, are a good ass team. This year, right? Uh, how about like, uh, so it would be like the Memphis Grizzlies right now making right. it to the finals. <laughs> yeah. We'd be yeah. like, oh, this this team's like 
up and coming. We thought this team would be pretty good. We didn't think this team would be that good. Right. The Supersonics. When was the last time Phoenix? When was a Phoenix? Who is who's? Is Phoenix? Phoenix oh, yeah, went to the right. finals yeah. last year. But yeah. Before yeah, that, no, it was like '93. Right. The Wizards haven't gone to the finals since since they Jeez. were the Bullets. Right. No, it really would be like yeah, a Wizards Clippers finals. Like, how odd would that be? Uh, so I guess we'll keep tabs on the upcoming score of that game, even though we're not a sports podcast par se. I mean, we're par, a we're an American pop culture podcast, right? So uh, the Super Bowl is definitely some late game Twitter football is Americana. I mean, I will uh, say like like the second half of playoff games in, in NFL are always really exciting. Except for that Super Bowl that the Patriots won six to three. This year's halftime show is supposed to be fucking nuts, right? Like it's Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, Mary J. Blige, right? Dr. Dre. I, I had a shower thought yesterday or two days ago. Is it Eminem? Thinking about a Ravens loss. Too? Thinking about a Ravens playoff loss. It was like a I was thinking about like the 2006 playoff loss to the Colts, and I'm like, God damn it. Peyton Manning didn't score a touchdown and we lost that game. And I yeah. can't even be mad at Steve McNair anymore because he's dead. Jesus Christ, Zig. <laughs> what the fuck? No, but I mean, um, speaking of, so wait, is Eminem or isn't, if the lineup is Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Kendrick Lamar, Mary J. Blige, and Eminem, Eminem. right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm sure some hidden artists. Uh, 50, like absolutely 50 cent, right? Like, uh, who else? Ice Cube will probably come up there. I don't know what. Hologram Tupac. Uh, don't do that. If they pull a hologram out of the Super Bowl, I'm going to be pissed, yo. Just like I'm super pissed that y'all niggas keep trying to put Eminem up against respected artists in a versus battle. The slander needs to stop. The Buster Are you Ryan saying slander... that Eminem is not a respected artist? No, but what I'm saying is, is Y'all need to stop pretending like Eminem got... Okay, so a versus battle is I not... I took some notes on my opinion on this, sir. A versus battle is not a freestyle battle, right? Like, yes, Eminem has amazing technical ability. Nobody, nobody at this point is fucking questioning Eminem's wordsmith capabilities, right? Like, that's not up for debate. Anybody who says that is probably smoking dick. But, but for Niners y'all to score a touchdown, 17 7. Okay, so listen, so listen, we already know it's going to be a repeat of 1989. We've been living it. We just got rid of living since Reagan. 1989. We just got rid of retarded Ronald Reagan. Um, <laughs> so, and instead of tearing down a wall, he built one. Anyway. <laughs> As I was saying, Eminem just not being the most efficient person ever made his quote three words, not four. Dude, five if you count Gorbachev. Pretending like Eminem has a catalog to stand on stage with the likes of Busta Rhymes is like pretending Donald Trump actually accomplished something during his presidency. Let's let I'm just throwing all the smoke out there. Five the backwoods. Right, I'm emptying the fucking clip out. Y'all need to stop. All right, all right, all right. right. So a couple of things. No, we know there's going to be features if we're talking Busta. You got to remember some of Eminem's amazing features on songs too. 
Dude, are you fucking kidding me right now? Hold on. Damn. How much Busta Rhymes are you familiar with, Zig? Not as much as I am familiar with Eminem. But what okay, I'm saying so, is, so, hold on, hold on. Who do you think that would be a fair matchup for Eminem? Because we agreed, we came to a consensus. You listen, and I, on this podcast, listen. agreed to the perfect metaphor. We're talking to the high court of hip hop. You're, it's, you're king, you're queen, you, you're councilman, all of that. Like you're talking your goats, your hall no, of fame qualities. Am, we agreed that Eminem is there. He's the court jester. No. What does that mean? What does that mean when you trying He's... to put this man on stage up against dudes who is actually like certifiably topping billboards like consistently, right? Like, and I get that Eminem. Okay, so there are people out there who will make the argument that Eminem is currently the number one selling rap artist of all time, right? And what did I say in the chat? I said that's because you white boys are super fucking loyal and everything this nigga does, y'all mob on, right? The same way Beyonce stands do, the same way Taylor stands do, Eminem has a whole We're fucking- We're using the term stand here. Yeah, because- Let's just talk about how ubiquitous that, that song do now you know is. Why, do you know why it's ubiquitous? One, because Eminem is a talented artist. No, because Eminem is a talented artist. I'm not taking that away from him, but it's a ubiquitous term because you white boys love to ride that nigga's dick. Yo, let's just keep, y'all swear up and down, can't nobody touch Eminem lyrically. Like, and when people bring up Lil Wayne, when people bring up Jay-Z, y'all get it all in y'all feelings. Let's not, you know, and let's give credit to Drake. Hold on, right? like, hold on. Also say, you gotta give me a little bit of a break on that. Cause in that same chat, I even was like, but after re-listening to it, I have to admit, Lupe's Mural is a way better flex song than Red listen, God. Listen, I'm not here to slander Eminem. What I want to do is bring logical discussion to the debate. Because, listen, what the fuck is Eminem going to do when Busta Rhymes start playing past the Kavasi? What? I mean, let's gonna talk do? about, all right. Play so brain damage? He going to play brain damage? Come on, listen. I, oh, okay, so y'all tell me Eminem gonna play Superman, right? And then Busta Rhymes gonna break out the Mariah Carey. Yo, no, we're talking about a versus battle, so you have to come with hits. What do you want Eminem to do? Go up there and you, so you want this, what people want is for Eminem to go back to smack DVD type shit and do like a fucking lyrical miracle <laughs> shit with somebody on stage and that's not gonna happen that's not what I'm these thinking, versus battles the is Super about Bowl, take all right so here i'm gonna say some okay a really illogical playlist stuff for this super bowl halftime show right uh, so so you talk about a super bowl full of deep cuts no 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 I, so we already have the mashups ready so we're gonna we're gonna come out the gate strong with some body and clyde right that's what we're gonna start with Maybe guilty conscience, right? Let, let's just hit him with the real shock factor, right? We can bring in Kendrick with Love Game. La 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 la. She thinks she loves me. She thinks she loves me now, now. Right? Right? You Was that me? an Eminem feature? Or so? Cause yeah. I'm, okay. Okay. It's not going to do anything up against like break your neck or like. I love my bitch. Like, come on, son. It's not I'm gonna, gonna happen. I'm gonna pick the world up. I'm gonna drop it on it. Fucking head. Eminem feature. No, 
no, listen. Then we're gonna do smack break your neck out on the floor. Smack no. that. What? Shake it. Light your ass on fire. Come on, it's not gonna happen. Give it up. Like, listen. What? No. I'm saying, no. like, you're. Would you put Eminem up against? Because it's not like he doesn't have hits. You have to he, remember, he's on a lot of good he features. He does. He does, but he does these rap battles always get to call out people to bring up with them as guests on stage. Let's be honest. So you basically, like, if if every rap, like, for versus battles, you're talking about you get, features. Like, some, Buster Rhymes you, got they, features You all with get the some, like, phone of friends. Like, say you get, yeah. like, three phone of friends and a bat signal. Or bat signals it's, for, like, the big one. It's not happening, dude, because I'm telling you, but you talk about features. Buster Rhymes got features with the Pussycat Dolls, my nigga. <laughs> it's not happening. What's Eminem going to do when Buster Rhymes brings out the Pussycat Dolls? Stop. No, I'm playing. But for real, he, it's it's not there. His Eminem's catalog is not there to stand on stage with Buster Rhymes. I Now, personally, two people, I think, would make for really interesting opponents for a versus battle, but... I still feel like would wash this nigga M. 50 Cent, right? Like, and I think M versus 50 would be a nasty versus battle, right? Um, but I don't know if 50 would want to do that to his home. That would be like taking two ballers who grew up together and watch them play one-on-one. -on -one. Brother, but they are doing one-on-one -on -one for like the gold and they both know that they don't hold no smoke. To, to pull a metaphor or a, like a image from your lexicon, it would be like, pitting Gone and Killua up against each other, right? Yeah, you know, because they would do that all the, all the time in training, and then they would just be like, at the very end of it, just be like, what's it? I think they would totally be game for it, but once again, I still feel like at the end of the day, like, I don't, it, it, maybe, maybe this is cultural, dog, but I feel like 50 is edging that one out too, dude. Cause like, all right, then who's the other one that you what the fuck is Eminem, Eminem up against? What is Eminem gonna play when Wankster come on? What is Eminem gonna play when Piggy Bank drop? Like, I, and I'm picking light 50 joints, right? Like, the fuck is he gonna do? I, I'm not even. This looks just, like a job for me. So everybody just follow me. Cause you need a all little. Right. All right. All right, look, you, you got to okay, so so you put on that and then 50 play how to rob and how you going to get down. Criminal. Right? Come on, son. Are you kidding? My words like, are like a dagger with a jagged edge. It's not happening, dude. It's not happening cuz like when 50 start getting into that old about a dollar bag, like it's really going to be curtains for him, yo. Like yeah, you don't right, want so mixed you know what happens? 50. You know what happens? You know what happens? You know what, what happens? happens? What he happens? does he does what like happens? toy soldiers gets 50 in his feels. <laughs> listen, listen. Did you say toy soldiers? Isn't isn't 50 featured on that? No, he's not, but he's in the music video. And like I said, he does toy soldiers and gets and gets 50 cent in his feels. And he's just like at the end of it, he's like, Yeah, then 50 just you. plays, you know, then 50 plays your life is on the line, right? And then it's over, right? Like you ain't no gangster. Come on, son. Listen, the only person I really feel like would make for good competition for Eminem would be ludicrous, right? Like an Eminem versus ludicrous uh versus battle. That shit would be fucking iconic, right? Um, because I feel like you talk about 
or hip hop jesters. That was definitely, I mean, come on, this nigga got an album called Chicken and Beer, right? Like, but I mean, like, that's a thing, like, Ludacris used to have that's that. That's why I kind of like the Busta Rhymes matchup, though. No, I feel like no, as no, because you, you gotta remember, to we're walked. talking also not, you have to account for more than just the catalog. How do no, you think that's these people would better. perform? And, I and that's what Ed I'm telling and Busta's you. And energies match up really well. That's it though. Their catalogs don't. I'm telling you, Busta got hits for days, and M gonna get washed out early, like early, early. <laughs> like stop it. No, Busta M does not have the catalog to keep up with Busta Rhymes, yo. It's insane that y'all keep thinking that. Like even with the lyrical miracle, like rap god shit, like Busta Rhymes could probably rap rap god at like 1.25 speed. And drive like, Eminem. Like, what do you want? Do you want like Eminem versus the Beastie Boys? Like, no, I fucking told you Eminem versus Ludacris, right? Like, I feel like that is who would be a, a good versus battle. So, who I, I would love to see the Beastie Boys do one of these, but who would the Beastie Boys go up against? See, listen, I bring up Ludacris, and you don't even want to talk, right? Like, you like, oh, that's not like, of course, because no, I just have ADHD. Uh, who would we put the Beastie Boys up against? Uh, fucking Run DMC, duh. Like, <laughs> and I, listen. Yeah? Listen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Speaking of that, yeah, that, that, what that the fuck is Eminem going to do when Ludacris play yeah, right? <laughs> What's Eminem going to play? He going to play, uh, my band, my band, my band, my band. <laughs> Stop. No. No, what the fuck is when when Ludacris put so Eminem's gonna play the real Slim Shady, Ludacris gonna play Act a Fool, right? What's gonna happen? You gotta remember. So nope, nope, nope. Eminem gonna play without me. Ludacris gonna play Get Back. <laughs> Come on. Come on, son. Do you see what I'm saying? Even even though I feel like Ludacris would wash Eminem in a fucking versus battle, also that I would forgot. be hard. That would be hard. That Super Bowl halftime show, you know what song I would love to see them do? Because it's also an Eminem feature. What song? Y'all know me, still same old G, but I've been low key. Okay. okay. So, but that's the saving grace for him, right? Is he get to pull out them Dr. Dre features and shit like that. That's, listen, but I'm not even getting into, okay, so I guess, yeah, was a ludicrous feature. And a handful of matches and still weren't found out right here for the here right now, Mr. Chronic yep. 2. Tomorrow's a day. Tomorrow's a new. Don't, don't, son. Also, that's one of the best music videos. That is one of the most. That is one of the most amazing music videos where they're interviewing people and Eminem just comes up. And yo, I was, I was just upstairs listening to my Will Smith CD. Listen, he don't want it. Eminem doesn't want to stand on stage with, with. <laughs> these people y'all keep trying to put them up on stage son it's not gonna happen with Ludacris bust out that Cadillac grills Cadillac move check out the oil my Cadillac spills come on no it's not going no y'all don't want that y'all don't want Eminem to stand on stage with that dude it's not it's, if we're talking be about a back back catalog arsenals of features I mean M can just pull out like he's he could cherry pick any member of D12 to bring out what the fuck? It, it, Ludacris got features with uh, fucking 2 chains, dog. Like, what you gonna do when Ludacris start breaking out them little John features? Then it's over. It's, listen, listen you don't want to well, do that. At that point, you're, it's just Atlanta versus Detroit. 
Y'all don't want to do that, dude. And then at that point, you can call them like the cousin cities. So like, all right, like Jalen always says, Detroit's got Oakland cousin city. Has got the cousin city. Who's the cousin city of Atlanta? Did you really just put Atlanta? Don't need nobody. What? Are you kidding? Outcast, Gucci, Young Thug, the Migos. Are you serious? This this is just turning into World War hip hop at this point. <laughs> Cause y'all keep trying to make Eminem sound like One Punch Man, and I'm tired of it, Joe. <laughs> he's not. He is not Saitama. Cut it out. Saitama. He's no. No, Eminem is no. Uh, Thirteen thirty in the fourth. Los Angeles Rams just scored a touchdown. Uh, Niners seventeen fourteen. Ooh. Okay. All right. So speaking of a touchdown, HBO Max has made a touchdown with their most recent movie, uh, The Fallout. It is the number one movie on the app right now with a pretty high rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. You give me a second. I I need to get HBO Max again because I was listening to Ringerverse podcast, Instant Reaction from the Midnight Boys. Shout out. Van Lathan was mentioning the Peacekeeper and he was like, yeah, Peacekeeper had the most woke moment by a white guy I've ever seen. And it's got me. I'm like, what? What happened? Like, I haven't watched any of Peacekeeper yet, but um, the fallout is a 2021 drama uh the show just or the movie just dropped it's currently sitting at a 92 percent on rotten tomatoes with an 84 a score of 84 on metacritic and a 7 out of 10 on imdb starring jenna ortega and maddie ziegler jenna ortega uh or maddie ziegler i believe was in that recent uh west side story remake and jenny or the one that unfortunately dropped the same weekend as spider-man Right. Uh, oh, she was in that movie, uh, the Netflix movie Yesterday, uh, the Richie Rich remake. She was in the uh, show You, as well as Stuck in the Middle. What's the the fallout about? <clears throat> so the movie start is about a uh, high schooler Veda who navigates the emotional fallout she experiences in the wake of a school shooting. And the show is oh. about her using a very uh, 2022 movie yeah um well apparently the show nailed it uh, or the movie movie i keep calling it a tv show the movie nailed it i didn't watch it personally myself but uh the missus did um and she said she thoroughly enjoyed it she felt like it was actually a very well rounded and thought out approach to handling such kind of subject matter she said you know the way the characters deal with the fallout of a school shooting felt very um, relatable and, uh, like I said, thoughtful. And I guess the rest of the country has decided the same thing as well. So, I mean, if you got some time and it sounds like something you're interested in, go ahead and check out the fallout. It sounds like for somebody who really just needs to have like an emotional dumping. Well, I mean, with the prevalence of school shootings in the country right now, I'm actually surprised that this is like, I'm sure this isn't the first school shooting movie that we've gotten, but uh, this seems to be Yeah, there's a market out there. Right, right, exactly. And this seems to be the first one that is uh, critically acclaimed that I'm hearing about. So definitely go check that out if you've got a chance. Yeah, you either have critically acclaimed and tacky at best. Right. Uh, let us know. Well, Rotten Tomatoes, a score of 92% is 
and it is pretty fucking fresh, right? <laughs> so, speaking of the score on Rotten the Tomatoes, I uh, I watched something that was new and and struggled through. No, so, no. Uh, Oh no! Oh no! No no! I watched <laughs> you... three episodes of How I Met Your Father. Oh, God. why would you torture yourself like that? And notoriously, you can't stand the original show, right? So, but it stars Hillary you? Duff, and I had to oh, support okay. my girl. I'm like, uh... oh, I love Hillary, and I want her to do well. Okay, okay, I need that. So, uh... If anybody has seen the original, you can already imagine. It's a, it's a group of like six people in New York. And of course they get to tap into using the city backdrop as a plot device. It is about singles, one couple in New York that are painfully typecasted as if they're trying to check off a diversity demographic checklist. So like, the show has Hillary Duff, Kim Cattrall, Josh Peck, Barry Livingston, Kim Cattrall is the narrator. Right. She's the older Sophie, who is uh, Hillary Duff's character, right? Telling the story from 2050. From 2050? The show has has forcefully mentioned at least three times during the run that I've watched, where it's, yes, does in fact take place in 2022, which is very odd because it seems like 2022 seems to act a lot like 2008 to 2014. Hmm. Yeah, it does feel like that TV shows haven't quite, except for shows like Euphoria, which we'll talk about later, haven't quite adapted to uh, 2020 culture yet, right? They haven't figured out a way how to uh, show people on TikTok all the fucking time (laughs) and how depressed everybody actually is because of the pandemic. How I Met Your Father takes place. And you know what my initial reaction was when you said she's narrating from 2050? I was like, oh God, that's so far away. And then I realized, oh wait, it's not. (laughs) That's not that far away at all. Also, what did the depiction of 2050 look like? Was she uh, living in her bunker hiding from climate change? No, it looked like my mother's living room. Ah, okay, so unrealistic. (laughs) Anyway. Basically, instead of beige, it was like a very bluish white. No, I will say it was a very whitish blue Mm, in color scheme. It was a hopeful outlook at 2050, um, assuming that the uh, United States and the rest of the world gets its shit together before, I don't know, a fucking comet hits Mount Pesuvius and sets off some super volcano somewhere. I will say that there were no windows in the backdrop. I wonder why. I wonder why. (laughs) So it could have been a bunker. Wouldn't that be a plot twist if at the end of the series they show that she's living in a fucking fallout bunker somewhere? What a twist! And and like, it's the end of the show is her putting on her fucking uh, gas mask to go outside of her fallout bunker. And then she turns to the camera and she's just, this has been a commentary on climate change the whole time. (laughs) God damn you liberals. Sneaking your fucking agenda into everything. So, but like the thing is, is like Hillary does bring heart to her character and I want her to do well, but the writing is just so awful. And they take the Mm. Barney character and they're like, what if we make them British, completely inept, out of high society. Is that Christopher Lowell's Jesse character? 
No, Jesse is the uh, equivalent of the the Ted, where if Hillary is supposed to be the Ted, and you okay. need a Robin, so he's supposed to be the Robin. But okay. when you see them interact, it's you're just like, okay, get together, just just get together, because it's the type of chemistry where you're both awkwardly interacting, right. but you it's, both do actually like each other. And basically, it's a good date going well, and everybody's had this good date, or I hope you've had this date, because it's actually a pretty nice experience. Like, you, you're awkwardly, like, you don't exactly know how to interact, but you still have this chemistry where you're like, yeah, I still want to hang out with this person. And then you go for a walk somewhere, and probably night and there's like lighting either like it's like over a bridge or in a park or down a city block like you know just imagine the aesthetic if it's cold you probably got your hands in your pocket or walking in your boots and everything and then somehow somebody brings up something that gives them a little bit more of a revealing sense and then you have some connection there and you actually have a legitimate conversation and you warm up to each other and if you're walking her home like a good gentleman should or a not jackass or someone who basically is just hoping for a shot and a prayer you walk her back to wherever her car or house is if it's not creepy because you guys were still having that good connection or anything and she was like yeah sure so you can actually a good thing to actually walk her back and then you're just like oh cool and then you have the good night kiss and then you walk away all like happy and she texts her friend and it's like, just <laughs> yeah it's so what you're telling me is the show is long and convoluted and um, is trying to stretch out the will they won't they aspect as long as they can, right? No, and it's like the Ted and Robin had the will they won't they, right? Jesse and Hillary have the you just should, right? Jesse and Hillary have oh. the so when is it going? So it's when they will they, <laughs> not when the or will they won't they. It's like, come yeah, on, we. We can see that you two are clearly shipping each other. Um, so I guess- But it like, while I was us describing that, it like by completely rambling, you were following and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, Yeah, no, no, absolutely. It sounds like this will be the white version of Insecure. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe not, I don't know. Um, I don't no, want to- Like I said, I haven't. I don't even, want to I slander Hillary it, Duff like that, but I'm just I've a said little it a worried. Couple of right? time. Yeah, and she she was in on an interview, and they were like, "Why was the Hillary Duff uh, or Lizzie McGuire reboot canned?" And they were like, "Because the things that you could talk about or should talk about with a thirty-something in New York, Disney didn't want to have." No, no, I'm still surprised that Disney is hosting things like the Simpsons platform, right? And as we talked about last episode, I wonder if King of the Hill will find its way to um, the Disney platform or if it'll be hosted on like Paramount or something like that. But like I said, they, they had a painfully typecast diverse where it's like if they, they had to check every box off. They were trying to like mid-max their teams, trying to get as many different minorities and demographics hit in six different characters all at once. Damn. You had like the white single guy, but how do we make that like double down or on how okay. to break that up? And they're like, right. okay, he has an adopted lesbian Asian sister. Damn. We have uh, the white single girl in New York. How do we make yeah. this? 
Like, how do we make it bring the over, let, or how do how do we make this work? Okay, she has a Mexican American roommate who's dating a British guy. Like, and they're just like, okay. how many things can we chain link together just so we're like, okay, we have that demographic hit, we have that demographic hit, that demographics hit, that demographics hit. <gasps> Perfect. So, do you feel like? it's heavy handed in the show or do you feel like it's actually representational? Because I mean, when oh, I think it, it of, feels heavy handed, it feels, but when I, but when I think of New York now, but when I think of like New York now, right, that sounds very typical. Like when I think of like the cafe and friends, right. And it's like, how many like ethnic people do you remember walking in and out of that cafe, right? Like it just Zero. seemed like a, a very white cafe, right? It so was. for Hillary Duff to have like a Mexican American uh, roommate who is dating like a British uh, immigrant student or whatever the fuck he may be, um, that feels like, that sounds like New York to me, right? Like, cause New York is an international hub, just like DC is, right? So it's like going and continuing to pretend like, uh, continuing to keep TV as segregated as we like to pretend like we should or we should be feels ignorant. And part of the reason why segregation continues to be prevalent in areas like New York, which can be heavily segregated depending on the area you're talking about, right? I totally um, agree with you, but this felt forced. This really that, did feel like they had, because everything else about the show feels forced. Well, I feel like that gets into the discussion of inclusion in the first place, right? Because there is a big, I would say, movement going on online right now where everybody is kind of clowning the trope of remaking IP and just not bringing anything new and inventive to the IP, but just, you know, regenderizing the cast and re-ethnicizing the cast. That's not a word, uh, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, let's make him black and gay and, <laughs> and let's make her, I don't know, a strong Latina or Latinx. Uh, God, I feel like every time you say Latinx right now, a uh, fucking Latino pukes in their mouth. Uh, but I mean, uh, like, that's exactly my point. They're like, oh shit, we have to make a D&D &D party really well-rounded. Well, but it also But instead of a D&D like, party, it's a cast for a TV show. I, I was thinking about it the other day, and aren't things like that going to feel forced when we're so used to the norm, right? Like, we're so used to things being so heavily white not necessarily whitewashed, but just drenched in whiteness, right? Like we're so used to our media having high schools where there's only like two to three like Asian kids, maybe like a group of five Hispanic students and then like a handful of token black people sprinkled throughout the cast, right? And we're used to that. So, but is that actually representative of what you know america looks like today and when you go to a lot of these like high schools not that i'd be perusing around high schools or anything like that well, <laughs> you like, are a janitor at a school right you know when you go to these schools like, shit, when you go to the cities and stuff like that it's it's not as single i don't want to say single-handed that's not the word i'm looking for it's not as monolithic yeah as TV makes it seem sometimes, right? Um, so I feel like people complaining about 
the push for diversity in these shows, whereas it can feel heavy handed. I feel like it feels heavy handed because we're having to adjust to a new norm, right? Whereas before we were used to a show being either all black, right? Like it was either you were watching Friends or you were watching Living Single, right? You were either watching Martin or you were watching fucking Seinfeld. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, there were no like all Hispanic shows unless you were fucking watching Telemundo, right? Like uh, there were no fresh off the boat, right? Was so groundbreaking because it was the first time you had like a predominantly Asian leading cast, right? The same thing with Kim's Convenience and led cast in a show like Never Have I Ever, right? On Netflix, uh, the Min- I think it's a Mindy Kaling show. Um, I might be wrong about that, right? But the, you know, the lead character in that, a uh, Indian or a South Asian girl who is going to an American high school and what her experience is like going to this high school in America. And we're not used to those kind of stories. I see people online complaining about the forceful nature of having a diverse cast. I sometimes wonder if we are just having an abrasive reaction to um, inclusion. The studio runners, predominant, I'm going to guess predominantly white, gave the producers the thing of uh, the predominantly white group of producers, you have to make this diverse. That's what it comes across to me. And then they were given like a, a list of all of these minorities and representative digra- demographics. And they're like, shit. And they really just tried to min-max it. And I, that's what I mean. That's why this feels forced. And then it, I get that. it felt like they decided that they probably had other people in casting that would fit the, they had better chemistry with the other actors, but they're like, shit, we can't cast them because we still need to get mm. a, lesbian asian uh socially awkward person like we need to still hit all three so crap how do we even incorporate that uh uh, um she's an adopted sister so i i get what you're saying the implementation of the diversity feels heavy-handed and forced right but my question is like think about it it's almost like a deus ex machina thing for representation to be like oh she's the adopted sister of the white guy but then I wonder what, you know, when I hear shit like that, it makes me wonder what the writing room looks like, right? Because for them to shoehorn in a character like that makes me feel like that the producers, the writing room isn't inclusive in itself, right? Because then that's how you end up with those kind of shoehorn situations when you have people writing for characters that they have no relate relation to right no relatability to uh when you get people throwing in an adopted asian which i mean is still kind of like fits because i feel like i i know personally or have known asian kids adopted by white parents right um for one reason or another um that is something that i feel like does happen and, and happens quite a bit in this country it also makes me wonder too though like if we don't have somebody saying your show needs to include these things do we get that kind of representation right because there's a big um story going on right now about uh, a disney plus movie encanto which is like one of the number one like animated yeah. movies out right now a woman just went viral on tiktok for looking like the character luisa 
Yeah, which is the strong sister. She's the the big like she Hulk looking sister that sings the uh song about you know having to carry all the weight on her shoulders and whatnot and when the uh movie came out a woman went viral on tiktok for having a very strong resemblance to the character louisa almost a very uncanny you would think that she was the model for the character right um and her tiktok went viral because she mentioned the representation and never having seen a character like her in a movie before right like she's never seen anybody who looks like her on any kind of tv show or any kind of cartoon before you know a strong different like not necessarily not fitting your typical beauty standards like let latino woman right because it's colombian right and then like fucking encanto was great for its representation but did it feel well. forced well, no, because it seems like the people behind Encanto were of Latino origin. Even the team behind the development, right? Like everybody is raving about like the hair textures in the show, right? Like it ranges from like, uh, I want to say like 2A all the way down to 4C. Like, and I, if you don't know like your hair textures, that's like straight hair to fucking like afro curly hair right like everybody got their representation in this movie which you know south america is pretty uh diverse uh place with even in places like colombia and brazil i just wonder if we don't have people forcing this diversity do we get this diversity right because we are also existing in a time right now where everybody is withdrawing into their own social bubbles, right? With um, How I Met Your Father, I feel like it's almost reactionary forced diversity. And sometimes I feel like reactionary forced diversity may be necessary, or I'm starting to think it may be necessary with the way people are bucking against change, right? Like you have the whole GOP movement who we'll also talk about a little later, you know, bucking up against things like, you know, when they, when we started including more gay characters and stuff, we're still dealing with gay agenda uh, con uh, conspiracies and such. If we don't continue to force these kinds of things, it makes me wonder where would we be, right? Would we still be in the like 2000s in the era of like malibu's most wanted and shit like that where like you mean like how i met your mother where it was an entirely white cast and inclusive and inclusivity is a joke right like it's almost like things like malibu's most wanted or like undercover brother where like you know the uh white spy became the white female spy became part of the opposition and shit like that and joined the undercover brother team like we it was almost like we made a joke about that shit like as if it had never happened and you know gen z the what would you would think would be the target demographic for uh how i met your father you know they are more inclusive and they do want to see these more inclusive shows even if it feels heavy-handed and forced right like people said that shit about the star wars movies like the new star wars movies they they said it made it feel like they were trying to force a heroine upon us instead of making an actual good movie and gen z didn't i from what i understand doesn't collectively feel that way we feel that way 
I mean, I'm not a big Star Wars nerd, and I was just like, those were fun movies. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, not to make it racial, but I still feel like I, it, it makes me wonder is all I'm saying, because I do get how the inclusivity can feel forced, but then I wonder what's the opposition to that, right? Like I said, if you don't have somebody forcing this kind of change upon us, then if do you don't we... have somebody saying, hey, Beach Boys Pet Sounds is a good album, and that's it. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. Because, I mean, a good album compared to Rolling Stones, you know, which you left out, was that Rolling Stone says that Pet Sounds is the best album of all time, right? And I'm like... Was it number one on their list? Yes, it was. It was number one on their list. And I'm like... Oh, I just know that it's like my dad's favorite album growing up. And my sister wrote like her music business final paper on Pet Sounds. And I'm just saying Ronald Isley has made better music um, by himself. But that's that's I guess my perspective. But and the I, whole so this whole conversation, everybody in the chat was just like we were talking about our music like knowledge and taste, and you were just like, yeah, you probably know some more random folk and prog rock and random. Well, because like you, you said that my music knowledge was probably more vast than yours, and I was like, that's not true when you take into account all of the like random genres and subgenres of rock and roll that you know <laughs> like that's true and then you sent me a fucking like macro list of all the subgenres that exist in rock and roll current oh no i wasn't even rock and roll it was just metal where it was just like right. metal hair metal right. glam metal death metal right. melodic death metal swedish melodic death metal right. black metal norwegian black metal thrash metal new metal i couldn't even get into i couldn't even metal. get into that I couldn't even get into that. Which Doom metal, sludge metal. I couldn't even get metal. into that. And I can give you an example band of at least one of each of those. Speaking but, of iconic classic rock bands, Ozzy Osbourne has jumped into the NFT market. Uh, oh, great. Um, with a company by the title of CryptoBet. That was a weird way to say that. So Ozzy Osbourne has partnered up with CryptoBet to uh, release some NFTs. Ha, ha. But Two days after opening, however, the uh, crypto bet supporters were scammed out of buttloads of money <laughs> due to an easily, uh, what could have been an easily uh, prevented error, right? Um, so they were using Discord to uh, traffic and advertise and, you know, spread they information. They were using Discord to cause Discord after the short link was changed nobody made users aware of the fact that the short link had been changed over uh to the discord server and no uh no announcements had been made to disregard the old link and a collective of scammers went ahead and opened up another discord server using the old link and the old server name on opening day everybody logged on to the old server proceeded to hand over all of their money to this collective of scammers womp, womp. um and further proof that the nft market is widely unregulated and fucking wholly unreliable 
as all of crypto is i heard fucking bitcoin is in the shitter right now um yep. but as the as of the time that this is released that could have turned around completely but my point here is is people continue to invest their money in what can what increasingly seems to be like a money laundering scam for people who are concerned that the economy is tanking yeah. uh, and the latest victim of that is ozzy osbourne and his supporters now i Makes know some people to me. I know some people who are making some decent money off of this whole NFT thing. And I, you know, it's not like everybody is in it for the money laundering aspect. You do have people who genuinely believe that NFTs could be the future of art marketing and art sales. But uh, right now, as was with the beginning of cryptocurrency uh which bitcoin or nfts are attached to i feel like this market is still wholly unreliable and you're taking a huge risk using this as an investment strategy i um, agree speaking of nfts a french surgeon faces legal action after trying to sell an nft made from somebody's x-ray that was a victim in a Bataclan uh, shooting or a shooting that took place at like a Bataclan festival, which I think it was like an NFT festival in a place called Bataclan. But the surgeon is now in hot water. Can we just talk about the irony of a physical gathering of people for a totally digital thing? It's kind of like, uh, what was that fucking Tumblr uh, con called? Dashcon. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like Dashcon, right? Oh, I have Tumblr news too that uh, we can go to. But yeah, no, so this French surgeon tried to sell this woman's x-ray as an NFT because she was shot at the NFT uh, festival or convention or whatever. Um, her boyfriend died, right, from the shooting that happened there. And... Um, I listen. Um, I know art is subjective, but this feels extremely distasteful and in poor choice, right? For a fucking surgeon, like how hard off could you be for money? You're a surgeon. <laughs> it just seems entirely irresponsible, and I feel e. like Allen considered himself an artist. Autistic is more like it. it's like that's not fair to autistic people. Um, listen, yeah, no, something uh, was wrong with Gigi Allen. It's also as they mentioned on Internet Today, where I found this story that um, and the other Ozzy Osbourne story that uh, this, yeah, this is it's an extreme violation of the Hippocratic Oath, right? Like, oh yeah, why wouldn't he at least go to her and be like, hey, listen. I know this whole thing has been very traumatic for you, and um, I'm pretty sure France has universal health care. So you, I know you don't have to worry about bills or anything like that, but, uh, you know, grieving is always nice when you got a little bit of cash flow to uh, supplement your healing. So while you're healing, maybe we put this NFT up on eBay? Death art? It's not death because she lives, you know, it's just the x-ray of the bullet in her arm. Would you and just call that a miracle? A miracle? 
and NF Tyrical. Wow, um, very satirical of you. <laughs> um, hey, I was raised Catholic. I get to make these jokes. I don't think, however, that this was a satirical thing. Did I you know that, that there's like qualifications to become a saint? Like there's literal like a checklist of things. Like after you die, you have to be responsible for like three miracles. And then there's like a canonization like board of voters, kind of like um, the Baseball Hall of Fame has the Writers Guild that they have to vote in people to this gilded, that not quite gilded, it's bronze. It's bronze. Bronze Hall of Fame plaque. The Baseball Hall of Fame inductees were announced this week. And oh. I have quite a lot of to say on this. So or let's sports take a news. quick break. Fuck it, I'm 40. It's fucking I'm 40 podcast with Tracy Kreider and Kelly Bell, where two sisters just one day decided to pick up a mic and start talking about shit. And we think we're fucking funny. And so far, we found out 25 other people do as well. Excellent. So wherever you get your podcast on, come out and find us. We're a good time. Our only rule is don't be a dick. And we're back. Sit down, everybody. I have sports ball talk. And if you weren't not gonna lie, a pretty good chunk of it. So as of right now, we now have our Super Bowl. It is the LA Rams versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Hey, look at that breaking news for you. And by the time you hear this, it'll be old news, but it'll be quite old news. I mean, surprise, surprise. Are we surprised that it is the 49ers versus the Bengals? I mean the Rams not as much. The the Bengals very much so. I feel like it just proves we're living in a simulation and it is currently repeating itself. The Baseball Hall of Fame had one inductee this year, David Ortiz. I'm not surprised David Ortiz does deserve to be in the Hall of Fame as an Orioles fan who was in the same division as him for his entirety. He uh, was terrifying to go against, absolutely terrifying. So he well deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He is an extremely clutch player. I have watched time and again hit game-winning home runs. He absolutely deserves to be there. However, the people not elected to the Hall of Fame, Kurt Schilling, Sammy Sosa, Alex really? Rodriguez, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds. I feel Barry like Bonds a couple was his last year of eligibility along with Clemens, Sosa, and Schilling. I feel like a couple of the people named on that list are not in the Hall of Fame for um, quote-unquote controversial reasons. Um, Steroid use. My opinion shifted on this. At that point, everybody was doing it, and there's nothing that we... Well, there's things that could have been done to stop it from a executive level down... Um, but it almost, with the ubiquity of performance enhancing drugs in baseball during the late 90s and early 2000s, 
it almost became the new borderline, the new normal. So, but I mean, was it really though? Because a lot of those dudes were punished and, you know, have permanent asterisks next to their name in, you know, record consider consideration and stuff like that. They don't have, so Barry Bonds is the all-time home run leader with 762 home runs. He was still, when he retired, one of the best players in baseball. Barry, and Barry Bonds, never admitted to using steroids, right? Never knowingly. Knowingly, okay, but he did. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty. Though. It's we're all pretty much like, yeah, we know you did it. Did he ever test positive for them? No. no. Uh, Alex okay. Rodriguez was the only one who tested positive and was actually punished. Like uh -huh. a Rod, we were all like, all right, we got the we got receipts done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As I was telling you off mic, I've been to the Hall of Fame before. I saw Cal Ripken right. inducted, and it's, it's the place feels so reverential. It's almost like a church. But it's hard to overstate exactly how dominant Barry Bonds was. Barry Bonds would get intentionally walked with the bases loaded. They would rather just give up a run than to pitch to Barry Bonds. That's crazy because I feel they like... They would walk if, him right. even more shockingly with the bases empty. They would rather I, just put him on first base than give him a shot to even hit a solo home run. Barry Bonds walked one third of the time that he appeared at the play. That's fucking nuts. Including over 100 intentional walks. There is a video that I watched recently saying that Barry Bonds, one of his most dominant seasons, he had a 6.08 on base plus slugging percentage. Now, let me look up exactly what this calculates again. Yeah, what does 6.08 slugging percentage mean? Does that mean that? On base plus slugging percentage formula. So is this like a calculation of how likely he was to hit a home run every time so he went this up is, to base? On base plus slugging percentage is a sabermetric baseball statistic calculated as the sum of the player's on base percentage and slugging percentage. The ability of a player to get on base and to hit for power, two important okay. offensive skills, are represented. Okay. An on base plus slugging of 800 or higher in Major League Baseball puts the player in the upper echelon of hitters. Typically, okay. the league leader in OPS will score near and sometimes above the 1.0 the mark. Top 10 6.08, right? Yeah, so the top 10 single season performances in Major League Baseball Barry okay. Bonds, Barry Bonds, Babe <laughs> Ruth, Barry Bonds, damn, Babe Ruth, Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, Barry Bonds. God damn, God damn, God damn. And as they Dylon, said, a, Dylon, 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 as they said, if somebody had a 1.0, they would be considered in the upper echelon. Right. Barry Bonds' number one single season performance is 1.42. Okay. Almost doubled that shit, right? Like, almost doubled that shit. So, that's crazy. So, I mean, 
but you think that nigga was on steroids the whole time though so what do we maybe not the whole time but definitely like at the peak of his career right so like if we're assuming he was on steroids for the peak of his career then maybe you can take how many seasons did he play he played for 22 years 22 years how many so that's 22 seasons right Barry Bonds is the career leader in home runs walks and intentional walks it's still crazy to me that they would intentionally walk this nigga because they was afraid to get fucking not uh, grand slammed right I guess that's the baseball equipment in 2004 in 2004 Barry Bonds appeared at the plate 617 times I feel like that's the basketball or this is the baseball equivalent of leaving a nigga wide the fuck open it's like leaving Steph Curry wide open for a shot because you don't want to get like you know drained like yeah in in front of everybody right like Steph Curry just gonna jump out there you already know the better analogy for Steph is to press him all the way up but if he gets anywhere close to the lane you're just like look we'd rather him just take a layup than shoot for three yeah yeah that's what okay I get you that's what I'm saying though right like that's how I feel when I hear they was just intentionally walking him to home base. Like, I don't I don't know. Fuck it. You gonna get there anyway. Like, why? 617 times he appeared at the plate. He was walked 232 times. How many home runs does he have? 230. Hold on. Let, let's just do this. 232 times he was walked. Right. That is... 30, 38% of the time that he was at the plate, he was walked. And 120 of those were intentional. Why would you even still play? So like 14% of the time, they were just like, no, just go just go right. to the first plate. Just just go. Right. This is his 2004 season. Oh, that's season. just one season. Yeah, that's so nuts. <laughs> okay. 38% of the time, he was walked. 38% of the time? 38% of the time, he was walked. 135 hits. So... 135, 38% of the time he walked, 22% of the time he got a hit. So that's already over. Yeah, so of those 135 hits, which was only as low as it is because people refused to pitch to him, 45 of them were homers. Out of 135, 45 were homers. Yes. So (laughs) pitchers were so scared I saw the simulation on YouTube. Or no, his on-base percentage was 609. So whenever Barry Bonds showed up to the plate, there was a 60% chance he was going to get a base. At least one base. Listen, that's not bad odds. I mean, I don't know if I would gamble on that uh, because it's not definitely a sure thing, but it's pretty close. It's as close as you can get to a short thing, right? Uh, with still having a little bit of baseball, an edge there. Statistically in baseball, where the odds are forever in the pitcher's favor, right? Barry Bonds swung the odds. No, yeah, yeah. That's um, how good he was. Barry Bonds. There is a video that I or watched. Or that's how good the human growth hormone Where was. if they made it so Barry Bonds in his 2004 season didn't have a baseball bat, how impactful would he be? Given that the pitcher pitches as if they still think Barry Bonds has a bat. And you know what? Statistically, he was still in the league leaders for on-base percentage. 
if he was not holding a baseball bat. That's one of those statistics that feels like it makes no sense unless you actually he's, do all the he's math. He's like baseball's Wilt Chamberlain. I would like to say that Wilt Chamberlain never used steroids. No, he was just a foot and a half taller than everybody he played against. That didn't help Yao Ming. Yao Ming wasn't a foot and a half taller than everybody he played against. Also, Wilt Chamberlain was way more athletic than Yao Ming. That's what I was going to say. It way didn't more help athletic. Yao Ming. Yao, you have to, like, Wilt Chamberlain was like an all-American track and field, too. Yeah. Yeah. A, a class A athlete. Um, not to say that uh, Barry Bonds is not a class A athlete, because as we said, the steroid use was alleged. So I was reading an article by Jeff Passan on ESPN.com titled, If Barry Bonds isn't a Hall of Famer by the end of the day, it's a failure by the Hall of Fame. Ah. At the entrance to the National Baseball Hall of Fame's plaque gallery, a sign hangs to help guide museum goers through what they're about to see. The first paragraph talks about how players are in the hall for their accomplishments in the game. The next paragraph says other areas of the museum address the totality of their careers. The final paragraph ties it all together. The National Baseball Hall of Fame and museum's mission is to preserve history, which is what we seek to do throughout the museum. If indeed that is the hall's mission, Today is nothing less than an abject failure. Barry Bonds, arguably the greatest hitter in baseball history, inarguably worthy of induction, did not reach the 75% threshold in the final year on the writer's ballot. For the past nine years, at least one third of the baseball writers who adjudicate such matters have found Bonds' use of performance-enhancing drugs to be disqualifying, and the revelation of Tuesday's vote is not expected to render any different judgment. He's not the only one, but Bond's rejection in particular epitomizes how these decades later, baseball is still bungling the PED, PED issue, valuing a lazy, ahistorical, more referendum over the preservation of history. Do you really this- feel like it's a lazy moral referation or however he said it? Do you, do you feel that way? I think it is because... Because it's like not I said, it, they're it just accusations. So we're just going to true competitors are going to compete to the limit, right? I I feel like that didn't help Lance Armstrong though, right? Like, and that doesn't help Olympic athletes. Like Russia still can't like compete in the Olympics because of the doping scandal. Um, yeah, that's because they're tr- they're getting the hang of it. Oh, so you, what you're saying is everybody else doesn't. Russia just got caught. No, what I'm saying is is everybody was doing it in baseball at the time before baseball itself was able to contain on it. So what are you going to do? Just completely ignore the era? That's uh, I effectively think that's what uh, the the official committee's decision is, right? Is like that entire and that's era wrong. You okay, so your argument is you think that that because of the proliferation of performance enhancing drugs at the time that it should be par for the course, right? Or it should be considered par for the course. Barry's display of athletic ability is no different on his performance enhancing drugs than the other guys because everybody was doped up. I'm gonna read this next part and then I'll tell you another takeaway. 
Okay. It was a moment at which the Hall could have embraced and taken the right stand. That as ugly as this history is, not telling its full story would amount to whitewashing the seminal moment in the game. Instead, the Hall absconded from its leadership duties and punted. We're telling the story of the steroid era just the way we tell the story of any era in baseball. And we tell the story in its simple truth, said Jane Forbes Clark, the longtime chairman of the Hall, a decade later in 2017, and that's how the museum is going to deal with it. The simple truth is that Barry Bonds is the story of the steroid era. He is a player whose physical gifts knew no limits and whose desire for something beyond greatness took him to a place he never needed to go. His greed mirrored the leagues, the ceaseless pursuit of bigger and better. The other thing that baseball had to show its ugly truth with recently and admit the records for was the Negro Leagues. And that ugly truth was its rejection of their accomplishments to begin with. And even worse, the rejection of their ability to compete in the same league. Okay. So Barry Bonds is not the all-time home run leader. And Barry Bonds is on record as saying he is not the all-time home re- home run leader. Josh Gibson is. Mm. And Negro Josh League player Gibson's... Josh Gibson is. Uh, yes. He is in the Hall of Fame, but he was inducted posthumously. Right. And Josh Gibbs did it without a probably, probably did it without the performance enhancing drugs right so once again i ask you because i feel like i've already made my opinion the problem with the negro leagues as well is it was not nearly as well documented so it's like Uh uh-huh exaggerating yeah okay yeah you really hit a thousand home runs all right josh gibson yeah no i hear you (laughs) i hear you it's not like i'm not saying that it's like a swing of like 200 home runs but i'm saying like you know it's like give or take maybe like 30 i don't know yeah all right like there wasn't as much communication and full record keeping listen o'glennon i get it i get it (laughs) It's semantics. Just a fact. <laughs> no, uh, well, it's just the fact that uh, Barry Bonds' record is looked upon as marred because of his alleged performance-enhancing drug use. And I do feel like if we are going to... Essentially, what I feel like the author was saying is that Barry Bonds is a perfect representation of the era but I feel like when you talk about that era, you have to talk about the fact that everybody was on performance enhancing drugs. So the great things done at that time are done with the enhancement ability, right? Um, And sure, we should take that into account because anybody trying to achieve Barry Bonds level of athletic achievement is going to have to also consider the fact that Barry used a little bit of help to get there, allegedly. Even as support jumped to 62% in 2001, nearly two in five writers who cast their ballots looked at Bonds not as the most fearsome hitter any of them had ever seen, but as the league and hall presented him, a big anthropomorphized needle filled with icky yuck yuck juice. You know what this actually I've seen Barry Bonds play. I've seen Barry Bonds play. Okay, okay. He crushed a homer so hard onto Utah Street in Camden Yards. You know what happened the other times he went to the plate? He walked. 
So what do you think that that actually means though, when you take into account, okay, so like I said, you know what this reminds me of, like what it's really reminding me of now, it reminds me of Drake, right? Because Drake is contestedly up for, you know, goat status with the kind of achievements and things that he's made. Like I said, he's right behind Eminem um, when it comes to leading record sales in hip hop, right? But a lot of people have a hard time considering Drake the GOAT with as many hits as he has on his stat board, right? But Drake's whole credibility has kind of been marred by the Meek Mill beef, right? When Meek Mill exposed him for having a ghostwriter, people then kind of like discredited him and disqualified him from being considered for GOAT status because it's like, but you, you mean don't... No, uh, it was Meek Mill that originally exposed Drake for having a ghostwriter, right? Pusha and T then exposed him for having a kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which that that's not that that doesn't really. All these rappers got secret kids, right? Uh, that's so that's not really affecting his goat his goat status, but the whole him having a ghostwriter thing really did throw into question whether or not we could put Drake up there with a Tupac, with a Jay-Z, with an Andre 3000. I've, he, I've heard that in countless interviews from people where they're like, is Drake the best, one of the greatest MCs? And he's like, no, he can't be one of the greatest MCs. He can be one of the greatest performers, but he right. can't be one of the greatest MCs. Right, so once again, this, this whole Barry Bonds thing reminds me of the Drake discussion, because it's like, can we consider Barry Bonds the greatest baseball player of all time if his run was marred by the performance-enhancing drug thing? You and know? this is the closeout of this article, and I really liked how he did it. The National Baseball Hall of Fame needs to induct Barry Bonds. There are so many simple solutions. One that would satisfy the Hall's stated mission and recognize that it's possible to celebrate the player Bonds was while bemoaning the choices he made. All it takes is the right words on the plaque. And since the Hall won't do it this year, it seemed like the proper time to take a crack. Barry Lamar Bonds. Pittsburgh, National League, San Francisco, National League, 1986 to 2007. Baseball's home run king was 762, won seven MVP awards, and walked more than any player in history. With fearsome left-handed swing, set single-season home run record with 73, and redefined hitting for a generation. Use of performance-enhancing drugs, muddled accomplishments, and epitomized MLB's steroid era. Hero and villain simultaneously possessed the uncommon power-speed combination made even better by eye that helped lead National League on base percentage 10 times. Or the eye of a needle. Ain't that is Barry Bonds, and that is how you preserve history. Okay. Well, listen, I mean, once again, I feel like this comes back to what I said in the beginning. And it's that Barry Bonds, and I'm not, uh, obviously I'm not the only one who has said this, but it's that Barry Bonds should be included, but there should also be an asterisk next to his name because- I think that's how you do it. That's full representation right there. I think that is, that is more fair and also kind of more damning than just having an asterisk next to his records. I mean, that is the asterisk next to his records. You know, having to, every time you say Barry Bonds, Hall of Famer, be like, you know, 
number one hitter of all time. But there's also that performance enhancing drug thing that we never got to the bottom of. Right? Like, yeah, Barry Bonds. To deny that he was one of the most ridiculous hitters of all time would be a abject, an objective failure of an observation as a baseball player. I've seen the man play in person. He was horrifying. Right. He hit the I ball mean, as hard as I have ever seen it hit. And the other times, he walked. I mean, listen. Uh, they say the same thing about Drake. Not that he's horrifying in concert or whatever, but that his performances. I mean, the man isn't like, you know, the top billing name in hip hop for no fucking reason. Uh, just like Barry Bonds isn't synonymous with baseball for no reason. It's a weird thing to me. Just kind of uh, like it's it's maturity, though, right? Like it's being able to tell the story for what it really was and not having to sugarcoat it for like the Disney Friday Night Lights version of what Barry Bonds' life is. Kind of like how Euphoria isn't sugarcoating teen drug use and mental health issues, right? Um, Euphoria is in hot water right now. Uh, actually, the D.A.R.E. program reached out to TMZ recently with a statement that started with Euphoria chooses to misguidedly glorify and erroneously depict high school drug use, addiction, anonymous sex, violence, and other destructive behaviors as common and widespread in today's world, right? And that's just a piece of the statement that TMZ released regarding the show. Euphoria's like creator and screenwriter has come out and spoken about how the show is very reflective of his high school experience and his battles with addiction and drug use. And he is, you know, himself said that this oh my show- God, hold on, just time out one time. I just looked at his stats. In 2004, he was intentionally walked 120 times, right? Okay. He only struck out 41. Well, I mean, if you intentionally walk that many times, you don't have that many opportunities to strike out, right? That's so bonkers. Well, it's kind of bonkers to me that, you know, Dare is pretending like teen drug use and, you know, anonymous sex and addiction isn't Yeah, I, I'm thinking about like life in high school when we were there, which I mean, like is, di is different than it is now, but it's not like wildly right. different. You know what I mean? I don't know if you've seen Euphoria. I haven't watched all of it, right? And I haven't seen any of this new season, um, but I can tell you that, like I was saying, both the show's creator and its cast have spoken out about how the show is potentially triggering and could be mentally harmful to somebody who is dealing with these issues and its mature subject matter, right? They've spoken out, Zadaya herself, posted an Instagram uh, and not uh, posted on her social medias, right? Not just Instagram about how the show should be, you know, viewed with discretion, right? And I still think the show is a representation of the extreme and not the norm. Right, and that's kind of the, the, the point that I wish people would get, but the show's creator also said that to ignore the fact that drugs do fill a void and fulfill a purpose, right? And make people feel good when they're going through shitty times would be disingenuous. Kind of like how ignoring Barry Bonds' record 
because of his drug use is kind of a shitty perspective to have on that era of baseball, right? Yeah. It's like to disregard that entire subject because it's uncomfortable to some people doesn't really do the issue justice is essentially what the show's creator was saying. And I don't have the quote up that of his, but I do know when I was a teen, I used drugs. <laughs> and I had anonymous, not anonymous sex, but I had one night stands. And like the show's also not for kids. Like um, Newsflash, if you're letting your fucking teenager watch Euphoria, I think you have other problems. <laughs> And what the fuck is on an HBO show? Because HBO, notoriously, not the place for children's programming, even no. though they exclusively host Sesame Street at the moment. <laughs> but, you know, maybe the through line from Sesame Street to Euphoria is not there unless you're a neglectful parent. The fuck? Get the fuck out of here. Right? Um, what if you know, you're like watching, it could go either way, Euphoria or Sesame Street, and they're like, you enjoyed Sesame Street, you should check out Euphoria. Or <laughs> you <laughs> Yo, but that's the way they make Or if you enjoyed Euphoria, you should check out Sesame Street. Right, like that's the way they make it seem like HBO and like Euphoria is somehow colluded to corrupt teenagers. Like, no, uh, stop letting your kids fucking watch TV shows that are for adults. God damn it, yo. It's not that fucking hard, son. <laughs> like, it's really not that hard. It's like them complaining about critical race theory. Like, they're not teaching that shit in high school. So the more you're talking about it, the more it's making your kids want to go, hey, so what is this critical race theory and why is it pissing my parents off so much? <laughs> like, shut the fuck up, stop it. The show is not for kids. And more I just wanted to say before we go on a real quick break, I just got an update that apparently Moderna is launching clinical trials of an MRA, mRNA vaccine for HIV. Wow. Well, hey, look, here's to the end of an era. Uh, before we go on a break, I have a little bit more euphoria news to talk about. One of the actresses, Sydney Sweeney, was recently of topic because it was revealed that she had asked the producers to cut back her nude scenes for season two, stating that she claims her, she feels like her work isn't being given the critical credit it deserves because she's appearing nude on screen. And she also believes that there's a stigma of in Hollywood for actresses who do nude scenes, right? Like, and she said that uh, Sam Levinson, the show's screenwriter was very supportive of her request to not, you know, show her tits as much feel it got me wondering right because it's the I, I noticed the same thing with a lot of different actresses right where they you know they do what they have to in the beginning because you know they're trying to break into the industry and everybody tells them this is just how you cut your teeth you really gotta you know grin and bear it to make it to that point but then they get to a point where like they can make the demands, right? Like Emily, uh, Amelia Clark was another one, right? Who talked about how 
she, you know, did all those nude scenes in the beginning of Game of Thrones because she thought she didn't have a choice. But then when she realized that she had the power, you know, she started demanding more and more to be taken seriously as an actress and not have to be forced to get nude for the sake of the fans or whatever. And, you know, they really tell these actresses things like, come on, you know, this is what your fans want to see. And your fans will be disappointed if you don't, you know, do this for them. This is what they've come to expect. And it's like, it that's, that's gross. One. That's gross. Two, it makes me mad because we all like to see tits, right? Like even, even women, like most women, like a nice pair of tits. Why do we have to make it a gross thing, right? Like, I don't understand. It's one of the things like, I feel like we can't have nice, and maybe this is a weird way to look at it, right? Like, and I know there are women out there right now who were with me up until I said that, uh, <laughs> but- Shout out Tracy and Kelly. But hear me out, dude. Like, as a dude, I'm talking to my fellas, right? Like, let me just, let me talk to the men here real quick. I'm not gonna Dr. Umar y'all. I'm not gonna Mark Samuels, you guys. I am trying to tell y'all though, is if uh, you wanna see titties, stop shaming women for showing you their titties, guys. <laughs> it's fucking retarded, right? Like it's- Counterproductive. It, it's super counterproductive to be like, how am I supposed to take her acting credibility seriously because all she does is get nude. Right, like Jennifer Lawrence said the same shit. Like directors is trying to constantly trying to get her to get naked on screen. And it feels like, is that the only reason you got me here? And I don't, like I said, it's gross. I think it's gross and I like seeing titties. It's, I don't, I don't understand why we always have to make things difficult for ourselves as men sometimes. Uh, we do things like get, pop icons who we think are gorgeous on our podcast and we ask them how their sex lives are going for the views and i found out that that nigga's podcast podcast uh, i'm not gonna name his podcast because he doesn't deserve to be the number one urban podcast streaming right now but apparently he is which is how he was able above the joe budden show right and above rory and mall and i just feel like Jesus and Mero, taught y'all niggas better than this i don't fucking yep. get it right like i don't understand how that gets you well, no i do get it right because then everybody is talking about the audacity of a podcaster asking a fucking r&b songstress about her sex life randomly right just like most people find it weird when an actress is like no i don't want to show my titties anymore like y'all have seen enough of my titties. I don't feel like it's necessary for me to be topless in the scene. And then people get mad like, oh, come on, play fair. And it's like, no, but y'all don't take me seriously, right? And it is it is a weird double standard because you know, men can show up shirtless and shit all the time and still win awards for best leading actor. Like, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's stupid to me and it's fucking played out. And I'm glad- Gender dynamics that, are weird. I'm glad that we're seeing a change, you know, even in a show as provocative and as controversial as Euphoria, right? Who, which is known for being a kind of like erotic melodrama. Yeah, no, it's cool to see such a controversial, edgy show being progressive, right? Break!
like an icebreaker thing. An icebreaker? Speaking of icebreaking, and how about breaking news? We have conflicting reports about Tom Brady's retirement. Ooh, so he is or is not? Will he Unconfirmed. Won't? ESPN tried to confirm it yesterday. And then Tom Brady went to The Athletic and was like, yeah, no, I haven't made up my mind. So Damn, um, a couple dirty. of tweets I've seen are, uh, nobody that's should dirty. announce Tom Brady's retirement except Tom Brady. And another one I saw that was really good. He was like, y'all pissed off Tom Brady by announcing his own retirement. He's going to play one more year and win another Super yep. Bowl just, to, just so he can retire himself. That's extra spending, especially because he's not going to the Super Bowl this year, right? Like, yeah. Listen, he, I feel like he definitely is going to retire on a Super Bowl win, right? Which is why he should have retired last year, but that's besides the point. I, Tom Brady said he could probably play until he's 50, and you know what? I believe it. Mm, how how long did Brett Favre play? Not as long as Tom Brady. No. No. You Dude, don't Tom know. Brady won his first Super Bowl. I was in fourth grade. Patriots, Rams, then they missed a year. Then they beat the Panthers. Then they beat the Eagles. Yeah, uh, that's what it was. It was the fucking Eagles game I was thinking of. Damn. You know, I blocked that shit out of my brain because I was an Eagles fan. And that's why they got it handed to him the second time they played us. Because we don't get played twice. Shout out to Philly. Keep it a band with you. Do you think he, so you don't think he'll retire, right? Fuck no. <laughs> that guy's um, can play. He can play forever as far as I'm concerned. You know who is done? Good old Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, that's right. The new Jackass movie, Jackass Forever, will be in theaters, uh, I think, like, next week, if not next month sometime. Definitely next month, but I'm almost certain it's next week. During a press junket at, uh, like, an interview during a podcast, Johnny Knoxville recently revealed that a stunt on this movie um, almost left him uh, not brain dead, but definitely brain dead. Classic jackass stunts often involve the gang dealing with bulls, like yeah, rodeo bulls and stuff. This movie will be no different. Um, while filming a stunt with a bull, Johnny Knoxville suffered a head injury that he said was the most severe and devastating injury he has received his entire jackass career. Um, one that left him suffering from depression and um, cognitively, like, just not all the way there, right? Like, he scored a 16 out of 100 on his focusing capability test um, and had to sit through, like, 16, 17 different treatments, 30-minute-long treatments of, like, magnetic stimulation to the brain. Uh, don't ask me what exactly. He said it was like they were vibrating his brain with magnets. I say all that to say, I don't think that's something I would want to have to suffer through for the ha-has. Like, nope. <laughs> listen, I get loving what you do and doing what you love uh, to the death, but Johnny said that he this uh, accident caused him to have to sit down and have a very serious uh, sit-down talk with his family about his future. Well, he already said that this is going to be his last Jackass movie. We did well, the feature on Johnny Knoxville last year. Yeah. Yeah, and this for certain now will definitely be his final uh, Jackass movie and maybe his final movie for a while. Uh, maybe not. 
his final movie, but he says he's all better now after getting on the right medication and going through the uh, physical and mental therapies that he went through. Go see Jackass Forever so Johnny Knoxville didn't get brain damage for no reason, <laughs> I guess. Make sure you wear your N95 mask because uh, it will be- They're free everywhere. Speaking of free everywhere, you know it would be dope if it was free everywhere? Uh, say <laughs> no. Um, but Amazon thinks it would be tight if weed was legal, um, so much so that they have recently scrubbed uh, marijuana drug testing from their drug screening for hiring, citing that, you know, it's disproportionately disenfranchises people from poor and ethnic backgrounds, uh, which is true when given like, you know, the statistics on incarceration as far as like marijuana goes and marijuana usage and employment record rates go. Recently, Amazon announced on Tuesday that it will be supporting a GOP-backed bill to legalize marijuana. Um, the bill, in a legislation endorsed by Republican Nancy uh, Mace, who was a Trump campaigny, um, seeks to end the prohibition of marijuana, stating that it would be pro-business state-friendly and anti-big government, right? And the bill is also backed by the conservative group Americans for Prosperity, which is a Koch Brothers-backed foundation. So the bill has some pretty big Republican and GOP names attached to it already. Okay, so there's a few things that I wanna talk about here. One, I support this. Uh, widely, right? If Amazon has to be the ones to break ground here, right? And end the ridiculous prohibition on marijuana that this country has been suffering under since like the Reagan or since the Nixon era, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit, and, and of course it goes back a little bit before that too, but like in all honesty, we all know now it's widely understood and known that marijuana prohibition was enacted to disproportionately affect the Latino and black communities in America. And then the war on drugs was weaponized to once again, disproportionately affect the urban communities as well as the counterculture, right? Uh, by Nixon and his regime and had been continued to be used so by any president that found it necessary to keep in place as well as fucking Joe Biden, right? Like Joe Biden has said outright that he has no plans to use any executive privileges or powers to end marijuana prohibition. He doesn't see it as a priority for the country. Um, and he outright said that he's against it, even though he says that people shouldn't go to jail for these things, right? Like specifically speaking about his son's cocaine addiction, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we reported on the show how uh, what was it, Peru? It was either Peru or Colombia, I think, was decriminal or looking to decriminalize cocaine usage. Um, th th how, like, a third of the country has already decriminalized marijuana on its own accord. Fucking Colorado is making shrooms legal. So, why the fuck not? in marijuana prohibition when it's already proven to be like profitable and could be the thing to 
I, I know this sounds like pot nonsense, but like it could be the thing to help boost the American economy, right? Like, it's already doing numbers and well in the states that have moved for uh, ending prohibition. But the fact that this is a GOP led bill makes me feel like it might actually gain some traction. I kind of feel like the Democrats are trying to take the party, you know, because this is something that proved to be a big issue when the 20, uh, 20 election was coming about. It was something that, you know, Bernie Sanders and all of them were talking about during the campaign uh, runs. And I feel like the Democrats are doing the thing again where they, you know, make promises to people, but then go about touting the most pragmatic approach or whatever, or, or they blame the Republicans for not playing ball. But here we have a Republican GOP backed bill um, that is backed by some of some big name Republicans and is now being backed by Amazon, arguably the most profitable uh, corporation in the country, aside from Apple and Walmart, right? And you know, yeah. the military industrial complexes. But Disney. what do we, I, what do you think is wrong with the fucking Democrats? <laughs> like why? I don't know. This just feels like one. It feels like an attempt at the GOP to convert more Democratic voters to their agenda. And it feels like the Democrats are dropping the fucking ball once again on the agenda that that they claim to willfully back and support. Right. Or yeah. to claim to understand at this point, right? Like Joe Biden gets up there and acts like he understands why people were so upset about drug laws in this country and the needless uh, persecution of those drug laws, but they do nothing to change it. Now we have a Trump cohort presenting a bill that is being backed by one of the most profitable companies in the country. They love to just snatch defeat from the jaws of victory damn damn truer words have never been said well on behalf of the flood this is doc this is iggy and y'all know where you can find us at the flood pod on everything and, and that's, that's on, on everything. everything and if you're looking for Yu-Gi-Oh, magic the gathering if you're looking for blood Yu-Gi-Oh, magic the gathering flesh and blood Pokemon. You can go check out tokenmtg.com and with the promo code Ziggy, get 10% off of your order. And if you are in the area and play Flesh and Blood on Thursday nights, check us out in Edgewater and you will see me there playing. Also, if Time Wizard format gets picked up anywhere in the Anne Arundel County area, I will be there probably playing Goat or Edison. And when y'all done listening to this, don't forget to go check out Fuck It, I'm 40 and Scrape No Chase. And we'll catch y'all Keep- next week. Keep your death threats to 140 characters or less. Stay safe. Deuces. Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates.